RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, it's time for our political panel this Friday morning here at RCR. Big weekend, kind of in a way, because we uh, apparently we um, understand the uh, vote count for the special votes, and that then kicks off the whole government forming process. Though they must be down the track a bit by now on that, I would imagine. Anyway, um, uh, so plenty of things to talk about, including that, and also at the local government level, the big news. And that's why we have Lee Short, who has joined us. Lee Short, of course, uh, Democracy Action founder. Um, Lee, thanks for coming on the uh, panel this morning. Pleasure to join you. Thank you, Paul. And and Cam Slater, as always. Hi, Cam. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Happy birthday for yesterday. No, thank you. And we might have Morris Williamson joining us uh, yet. Let's see. But uh, let's start with local body because, uh, Lee, a a victory for you guys. Yes, well, um, I, I made a presentation to council about these Maori ward seats, um, and um, I think that uh, it didn't go that well, really. Um, when I got there, um, I m- did my presentation, but it got a little bit heated oh. and uh, quite, um, uh, I'd have to say, um, quite hostile because my points of view weren't that well accepted by a few of the councillors. When you and, say hostile, what, what do you mean? Like well, they, they, they challenged me and said I didn't know anything about the Treaty of Waitangi, and then they caught, pulled out a couple of um, quotes from UNDRIP, uh, United oh, Nations yeah. um, of Indigenous Peoples, and I said to them, look, you've got no obligations under the treaty. Um, your obligations under a, a New Zealand legislative law uh, and the treaty is not a legal document. Well, that got them going for a start. And then I said, uh, and the UNDRIP one, um, it's a conven- it's a convention, a declaration. Again, it's not a legal document. And uh, they haven't had a good look at Clause 46, which quite clearly says that um, UNDRIP has, cannot interfere with uh, the governance or the um, uh, management of any country. So anyway, I thought it was disappointing because uh, it was poorly chaired, and when the public come along to give presentations, the, the council should question. That's no problem, but they shouldn't make it a hostile environment. No, it no. puts people off from uh, presenting. So I thought it was pretty poor. They should be happy that got, people are turning up to to debate this, surely, and have this. Yeah, their... and I, I had a few calls from uh, councillors afterwards who uh, expressed their dismay at how I was treated. And I said, I've been in a few rugby scrums in my life, so it didn't really put me off much, but it would put off a few other people who wanted to present. And I thought that was a disappointing part about it. So um, there seems, from what you're just saying, their ignorance of of some very basic facts. Yes, they, they don't. They have this they uh, mantra about um, how the Treaty of Waitangi takes over everything. Well, they're bound by New Zealand law, um, not by the Treaty of Waitangi. And uh, and then that flowed on to the um, the vote by the governing body uh, last week, and that uh, came down to eleven nine vote to say no to Maori ward seats. And I thought that was quite courageous of council because they don't um, they don't have a mandate to to say yes or no. They didn't stand on their soapbox and say elect me and I'm going to bring in Maori ward seats. And I said to them what. Here's a novel idea. Why don't you ask the people if they want them or not? There you go. And I said, and it's an easy thing for you to do. There's an election coming up in 2025. You just put that question on the election uh, form, 
and people tick it yes or no, uh, and there it be. So, uh, and also with a change of government, of course, there have been um, uh, utterances from National and from ACT to say they really want to have a good look at this uh, Maori ward seat thing. So, yeah, so I thought it was quite brave of the councillors to say no. And, of course, the people who did respond to the consultation document to council, some 11,800 people, 68% of them said they didn't want the seats. Yeah. And, yeah. and more revealing was um, of the people who identified as Maori uh, heritage, half, almost half of them said no as well. So <laughs> how, 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 how could that be explained away? Well, I don't know, but they. I think that because um, there is a another group um, called the Independent Maori Statutory Board who are unelected. And these are the mystery people. No one knows who, where they come yes, from, who they are. Yes, you're headed up by who Tau pulls their Maori, strings, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. who um, who sit on council committees and make votes, although they're not accountable to anyone. Uh, they are funded by the council at three million dollars plus a year. Um, they should go. Um, yeah, I was going to say they can't go on, can it? No, they want to have they want to have the Maori wards on top of that. Yes, they do. Right. So, so you know, this is the thing. What, what Lee was saying is that the, this is a constitutional issue into the governance of Auckland Council by voting to change the way that the council is made up. For a start, it will need legislation to change it because Auckland Council is unique. It has its own legislation compared to other local body authorities, right? So there is a special legislation for Auckland Council that says this is how you should have uh, wards, this is how you should have, uh, you know, uh, regional areas, um, you know, as sort of underneath that. And community boards. Community boards. And then, then it says also you'll have these uh, independent Maori statutory authority members that will sit on committees along with all the other people that have actually been elected. So it's this mish mishmash of really is anti-democratic. And on top of that, they want to go and push and pigeonhole new Maori wards into that, but they want to do it without actually referring to the people who are going to be paying for it, yeah. which are the ratepayers. They don't want to go to the uh, to the voting public. And under the local body uh, you know, uh, acts that are out there, Having referenda is actually very straightforward. It's a very um, distinct piece of of the legislation that allows for this, where it can be proposed and put to the voters. But they never seem to want to do that. And if I was Wayne Brown and the eleven and the eleven other uh, councillors uh, who who seem to be opposed to this, I'd say, well, we're going to take this to the public. We're going to make this an election issue, and then see what happens. And we'll see if Chris Darby and all the other Wombles who keep getting elected in, in North Shore and places like that uh, by pushing all of this wet, woke agenda. We'll see how they get on trying to justify it with the ratepayers of that area on something that they actually care about. And uh, and I think if it was put to a, a vote, it would be a resounding no. But, of course, they don't want that because, you know, they come out with lines like, oh, that's the tyranny of, of the majority. Well, yeah, that's how democracy works, yeah, right? So yeah. what they're actually wanting to do Special is, treatment, up, is up upend our democracy. Yeah. They want to upend it at a national level and they want to upend it at the local um, local body level and they don't want to put it to the people who are actually going to have to pay for it all. It's just ridiculous. And then the other you get people coming out and using 
This is Toe Henry. He comes out. So he's one that. of these he's one of these unelected, you know, guys in the Maori statutory board. How how much would he make? I'm always interested to know about Well, we can, we don't <clears> know, but home, we do know, know the budget. It's about three and a half million, isn't it, Lee? Something yes, like there's that. nine of them. And there's nine of them. So, you know, there's there'll be administrators and a few other things, but it's all paid for by that. So a couple of hundred a couple of hundred K probably. Yeah, one hundred, one fifty, probably, you know. No, I that's don't know. not enough, mate. <laughs> well, there's more than the councillors get. No, and, yeah. and but they're on this on the statutory board and, and they seem to forget that that board was created by statute. That's why it's called a statutory board, right? A law was passed. And he comes out and says, Well, any one of these 11 that voted against this, right, I'm now going on my committees, and he's on two very powerful committees. He's now going to say whatever they propose, it doesn't matter whether he agrees with it, doesn't matter whether it's good for Maori, which is why he's there. It doesn't matter at all. He's just going to veto it and say no. Well, that's anti-democratic too. Well, the uh, the Independent Maori Statute Board does not represent Maori in Auckland. It represents um, whoever uh, gets vested interests. And the other thing I think I I said to councillors too is that gaze around the council table, there's 20 councillors. Five of them are either of uh, Maori or Pacific Island descent. So there's no impediment for them to be elected onto council. They've just got to produce a a story that uh, they can sell to the people to say, I'm going to represent you, vote for me. Uh, and if they can't do that, they shouldn't be there because of their birthright. Um, they should be there because they're there for the people and the people should make a decision on who governs them. But it doesn't seem to be able to get through to these people. I mean, it's hard yards to get on council. You have to do a lot of hard work. You have to you know, beat the, beat the feet around the place and knock on doors yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but and isn't that also at a national scale? There, there's an over-representation phenomenon. Yes, there, there, are, there are more people of Maori descent in Parliament than the population, but who cares? I mean... Um, They're relevant. Yeah. They, they, they put their name forward, they made a meritorious yeah. argument, and the yeah. voters elected them. No, that's all good. But then it you've is. got special <laughs> seats and other mechanisms that are supposed to um, mitigate against that when it's now not an issue anymore. No, it isn't. Well, you have a look at the four leaders of the opposition parties, uh, the smaller parties, the you know, ACT, Green, uh, Maori Party and um, New Zealand First, all the leaders of Maori descent. So, so what's so what's going on then? It's just an ideological thing people are following that um, they're trying to have the uh, minority rule us and... Uh, that's the that's the way they're going about it. But as I say, there's no impediment for people to get elected to council, to local government, in any way, shape, or form, or to national government. Well, just- what's the pressure like on the councillors? Cam, you've spoken to a few. What do they have to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I interviewed uh, yesterday afternoon Ken Turner, the uh, councillor for Waitakere, thoroughly nice bloke, trained as a mechanic, and uh, decided he'd had a guts full of you know, councillors and council not listening um, has stood uh, there several times and been elected. Uh, so, you know, he's he's uh, not one to mince words, uh, seems like a, a straight player. He's struggling to get uh, details on so many things within council and meeting, you know, opposition from the council officers. So if Let's say there's a, a multi-million dollar contract let for footpaths in in his area. 
he says, "Well, well let's have a look at the let's have a look at the contract for that and see what special conditions are." Oh no, you can't see that. No commercial and confidence, but they're the ones who have to well, vote. Well, how for could it. it be that? Well, that that's what happens. I mean, Morris Williamson spoke to me uh, about the difficulty he had in obtaining information from the financial system in in council, and he had to you know actually threaten to take it to the auditor general. Actually drafted a letter. Uh, had a meeting with the chief financial officer and the chief executive officer, who's subsequently been replaced, uh, sat there with the letter on the desk and said, if you don't give me this information, then I'm going to sign this letter and the mayor's going to post it to, to the auditor general. Oh, okay, well, I think we... You know, what they were trying to say is, you ask us the questions and we'll give you the answers. And Morris said, I don't know what the questions are because I need to see the data. Yeah. And unless you show me the data, I can't ask you the questions. And, you know, I'd really actually, oh, well, you know, Mr. Williamson, um, there's vast uh, you know, levels of complexity, da da da. Oh, yeah, says, whatever. Yeah. Right. And he said, well, hang on a second. Right. Are you saying Auckland Council is bigger than this company in the United States? They said, oh, well, what do you mean? He said, well, this company in the United States has 25,000 employees. It's a publicly listed company. By law, they have to publish all of their details. Um, Coincidentally, their entire financial system is available online. I've downloaded it. It's on my laptop here, and I'll show you what I can do with it. Are you telling me that Auckland Council is more complex than a publicly listed company in the United States? What, 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 how about you just give me the data? Finally, they they caved, and so Morris is sitting there, you know, with his ninja um, black belt in spreadsheets. Algorithms going crazy. And starting to find out, well, hang on a minute here. There's There's some... There's a whole lot of stuff here under the covers that we haven't been aware of. Before. Well, no wonder they don't want to let it out. No. So, uh, I mean, you, you've human. The human condition is always there. Uh, people hide stuff because they know something's not right about it, don't they? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Especially when it comes to money, and roading seems to be anything to do with roads seems to be the biggest scam opportunity out there. I think it's all about power, Paul. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. You don't want to give information over because you lose power. That's right. If you give someone like Morris Williamson all that data, he can ask some hard questions. But, you know, roading's a really good point. And I talked about this with Greg Sayers, who's who's been having, you know, problems with the rural roads that are all metal in Rodney. Uh, and Ken Turner talked about it as well and said, they both said the same thing. It, it, it's like there's this black hole where there's roading budgets that have disappeared, but the roads have deteriorated. And it seems that it's been, you know, funneled into painting the roads with rainbow colours, uh, creating cycleways that we nobody wanted them, uh, you know, doing what they've done around here in, in Takapuna where they've created, you know, uh, whole areas that are now 30 kilometres an hour, uh, about $150,000 every time they put in one of these ridiculous large bumps that uh, where a pedestrian crossing exists, causing mayhem in the street. Is that how much it costs for one? Yeah, for one For, for, for a one bit of dirt and a bit of tar seal over the top. Sorry, yeah, that's, that's right. the way I yeah. perceive it. Yeah, but of course there's all road cones and five days' worth of work and everything else that goes around all of that. You know, I was talking about when I used to run a contract for, uh, for the council – uh, you know, emptying cesspits uh, in parks and on roads and things like that. We had one guy in a truck, and now there's like seven people, two trucks or three trucks, uh, 57 million road cones, a stop-go guy, all to suck a cesspit, which takes about five minutes. 
you know, it's ridiculous. A bit like that pedestrian crossing they put in in Wellington, isn't it? Cost yeah, the uh, one on the way to the airport, three hundred pay yeah, two point four million dollars. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. and five hundred thousand of that was from consultancy fees. Yeah, well, that's what I mean about the the scamming opportunities. There's yeah. people taking diabolical liberties, and it's all hidden in the contracts and the subcontractors and everything like that. You know, they um, they uh, you know just do amazing things. Like Ken Turner was trying to get to the bottom of why we've all of a sudden got these little wheelie bins for food scraps. You know, most of us have got waste disposals. Uh, but no, we've got to do this. And guess what? They take all the food scraps, they take it to, to a place in Wirree, they press it all, squish it all down, then stick it in a truck and truck it all the way down to Reparoa where they process it. And then what's left, they turn around and then ship it all back up to Auckland so they can sell it as compost. I mean, it's I know, nuts. I talked to the guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a good idea, but but why is it in Reparoa? Like, right. it's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that must be New Zealand's most expensive pedestrian crossing. I was just thinking, Lee. Yes, you'd, you'd have to you'd have to dig around to find one more expensive than that, wouldn't you? <laughs> the other thing I think that um, we need to think about is how local government is funded as well. And certainly ACT have got a few ideas about uh, perhaps GST uh, that councils um, charge comes back to them rather than going to uh, central government. Right. So I think that's got a bit of um, a bit of coverage, and I think we should have a good look at that. And the other one that I don't like about um, local government is the postal voting system uh, because they send letters off all over the place uh, not knowing if anyone's home or not. Is that like mail-in ballads? Yeah, ballots yep. that caused yep. all the big problems. And, yeah, yep, and it it's certainly, um, I mean, it's it's easier to get on the electoral roll than it is to get a library card in Auckland. Uh, you actually have to identify yourself to get a library card. You don't. Yeah, have isn't to that crazy? Roll. Hmm? Uh, that's but, crazy, isn't it? There should be some uh, basic identification yeah. verification. And uh, in this day and age, if you have a look at some of the systems running in Canada. Um, they have electronic voting and it's all identified. Each person is identified. They can find out if people have voted twice or not. Uh, so it really needs a good look at. Um, it's it's not a good system we've got at the moment. It's open to corruption. Um, people Because can... you lose the chain of custody, don't you, along well, the yeah, way? I mean, they, they mail it. I mean, where, where I live in, in Albany uh, or lived last, last election in Albany, we got our voting papers and six other voting papers for the previous tenants. So you could have voted for them? Well, I could have. Easy. Yeah, yeah. I could just open them up, tick the boxes, you know, uh, voted for, you know, Wayne Brown or whoever I decided was going to be the recipient of that and then folded them up and posted them off. I could have done that. I yeah. chucked them in the bin, but I could have. And now, if you wanted to scam the system, I could have sent you a hundred of those. Oh, there would have been thousands in South Auckland where people yeah, but that's the one every address. six every yeah. six months, right? Yeah, it's, so it's, not, it's open to it's open to corruption, and no one's prepared to address it because as soon as you do it, you go, "Oh, you're being racist." That's right. That's right. How is that racist? Sorry, well, well, this is the answer for everything. It's like Toe Henry saying about the about the the uh, Maori wards. Oh, you're racist because you said no. Well, well, no. This is a constitutional change, Toe. We need to put it to the people. That's why we said no. Racist. 
that's the answer. They always that they don't have a logical, cogent, or rational uh, answer to any particular issue. And if they don't like what your position is, you're a racist or a bigot or sexist or misogynist. No wonder or people are scared else. to stick up for themselves then, because they're worried that they're going to be. That's uh, right. I mean, it takes it takes a brave person to go and present in person. I mean, you know, I'd Lee, like, you're Lee, brave. Right? I've done it myself to parliamentary select being attacked as well. But uh, that's the thing is that most citizens don't do this because they don't have the wherewithal to do it or the bravery to do it or the inclination to do it. And so democracy dies in silence. That's is right. it racist to go to to generate extreme local body debt? Well, I don't know about racist, but it's certainly folly. I mean, you know, anyone who's got a mortgage and uh, does the calculations, they, you know, say get a 20-year mortgage and let's say they get on some hard times and they go, let's extend that to 30 years to make the payments a bit easier. By doing that, they're effectively doubling the size of their mortgage and they don't even realise it. Well, the Auckland Council is doing the same thing. Well, all the councils around Auckland, uh, around the country are doing the same thing. They are borrowing eye-watering sums kicking it the can down the road on the never-never on the basis that they can do it, so they will, and all it means is if they get short or they've spent too much, oh, that's all right, we'll just have a 10% rate increase for the next three years. And that's yeah. what they do. And, 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 you know, I blame, actually, Dr. Michael Bassett for that because in 1989 when he did the uh, 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 first amalgamation reforms where they merged hundreds of councils around the country into 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 bigger councils, they also gave them the, the right to general competence, which allowed the councils to actually borrow money. And since then, they have. And Auckland is a classic example. You know, at the formation of the super city, it owed about a billion dollars. And now it owes about 12 yeah, um, uh, I know Dunedin Council is paying a million dollars a week in interest. Wellington, twenty-five million um, a year in interest. That's just on their debt. Uh, uh, many of the councils are over two hundred percent of their um, debt to um, annual rates. Take it's it's getting out of hand. Lee, where does this where does this? Well, end? I think it, it, it's an ideology which seems to have uh, taken place within the last government, which we've finally got rid of and on councils, that if there's a problem, you throw people at it, and then you throw money at it. If that doesn't fix it, you throw more people at it and more bloody money at it until something happens. And, and if you have a look at the amount of people who work for Auckland Council now, and we're in an economy now where um, digitisation has taken place, and their uh, companies are reducing their dependence on um, you know, manual-type processes and that sort of thing. But I'm sure the Auckland Council hasn't. They've got so many people working for them now than they had at Amalgamation, and we were meant to get benefits out of it. And I can't see what benefits we've got out of it. If you have a look at the – you just drive down into a motorway roundabout. It's not mowed anymore. It's not looked after. The verges are not done. All that's on their parks and not uh, looked after as well as they have been before because they've run out of money. And why have they run out of money? They must be spending it on lots of other things. Vanity projects, people say. Yeah, The wastage in council and that sort of thing uh, – 
It's just, um, I, I know it's not easy to turn around, but you've got to start somewhere and you've got to have a good hard look at what they're getting involved in as well. And there's a lot of activity that councils are involved with, which are central government activities. They shouldn't be involved in them. So well, the big, the big one happening in Wellington at the moment is um, let's get Wellington moving. And they want to get the cars out of the Golden Mile and it's $140 million is the budget so far, but it's blowing out all the time. That's all well and good. But you walk through the city now, there are leaking pipes everywhere. Yeah. There's water seeping out of the ground everywhere. Never used to be like that. No, no. Well, of course, the, uh, governments, um, this government, and it's happening in Australia now, the amount of people coming into the country and putting the um, uh, the pressure on resources, um, you know, and infrastructure, water systems, and that sort of thing. It's great. Let's have more people in the country. But no one's asking for it. I don't recall anyone that uh, I know saying, "We want this. Do it, please. Do it." You know. Here's where the problem lies with these councils. You see, they, they, there's an accounting technique called depreciation, right? So, so councils, businesses, uh, anyone who's running a set of books buys assets and they depreciate it over time. And the, the whole idea behind depreciation is it's offsetting and putting aside funds for the replacement of that asset as it degrades over time. But councils have been robbing that over the years, uh, you know, with eye-watering sums of money. And Auckland Council was a, was a classic case of this in Auckland City, uh, you know, which is the oldest part. They had all of this depreciation uh, and deferred maintenance in on the water infrastructure and they kept raiding the kitty, raiding the kitty, and then you get pipes breaking, you get sinkholes, you get all of these things that we're experiencing now. And that's because of 30, 40, 50 years of successive councils, be they red, be they blue, raiding the kitty of depreciation, kicking the can down the road, knowing full well that by the time the, these uh, problems manifest themselves, they're long retired and they've got their statues and they've got their parks named after themselves and everything else leaving the poor old schmucks, the ratepayers, footing the bill well, for now they're borrowing money financial incompetence. They're borrowing money to do that basic work, which should be covered by rates. They're actually borrowing the money, like down here, to do water maintenance. It's borrowed money. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that they're borrowing money to, to do the basics, which is what rates were supposed to be for, and they're spending money that on top of that on all these nice-to-have things that no one cares about. But but it just it's eye watering sums of money. If they just focused on providing the core services and infrastructure that a city should do, we'd probably be okay. So what well, do, what do we do about it? Been, a lot of the money that's been spent. I mean, you and I wouldn't do it with our own money. And I think that's we've moved away from that mantra. I think we've got onto other people's money, you know, and they just. They just don't understand where money comes from, a lot of these government wow. services and local body people. <laughs> they don't understand you've actually got to earn it to be, be able to spend it. They just say, well, as Cam says, they've got a a, uh, a source of money which they can just tap all the time. The banks love it because it's secured by property values and rental agreements and uh, rates and all that sort of thing. But they just don't understand that you just can't continue to borrow money the way they are. All right. Um, do we have anything more to say about um, local government, given that, that uh, at some point that, uh, I mean, there's all the other issues, but at some point that debt thing is going to be a real, you know, there'll be a come, a come to Jesus moment on that at some point, surely? Yes, it has to happen. It has to happen. Well, it's coming very soon with Auckland. They're at the debt limits now. 
All right. Um, okay. So um, we should know in what? How long do you think it'll be, Cam, before we know how those special votes? Uh, I think about uh, one o'clock. I think tomorrow might be two o'clock. Um, tomorrow okay. afternoon, we'll know what the specials are. There's a whole lot of people speculating and things like that. I mean, even Christopher Luxon had some silly statements that he made the other day. He says, oh, "I don't know why it's taking so long. You know, they should just count them and give us the um, the progression as the votes go." And it clearly shows he has no concept. Don't they have to come on. in from every point of the compass? Well, well, that's exactly right. Right? The they, the special votes are from from people that are outside the electorate or people like me who are on the unpublished roll. Uh, we cast a special vote uh, in an electorate. Uh, when the voting on election night is finished, all those special votes are then sorted uh, and then sent back to the electorates. And then the returning officers and those electorates verify whether this is a valid special vote. And when I say verify, they actually check names, addresses, all of those. So there's a whole complex uh, array of things that are done to verify that the special vote is indeed a special vote and should be counted. Yeah, And, and he isn't taking that into account. So, they also check every vote, don't they, Cam? Don't they that's right. Every- they, they check every vote, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it takes time. It's part of democracy. It's always been that way. And I honestly don't understand why people get upset about how it's taking so long. Uh, it's important to get it right. Is there any chatter on how it might, how the chips might fall then? There's a little bit. You know, I've picked up from people who are scrutineers who are kind of talking out of school but bear in mind, they're only looking at their one little area. And so they might go, oh, you know, the Nats are doing this or New Zealand First so is doing as well. View. It's a myopic view. It's it's very insular. Uh, you know, they're looking at, at, you know, one electorate or even a small part of one electorate. Yeah. How do you think it'll pan out? Have we got any gut feel, Lee? Well, I'm hoping there's going to be um, a three-way split because uh, I think that um, national uh, and government haven't got a good record about changing much. Um, So I'd like to see some pressure being put on them by ACT and by New Zealand First to actually address a few issues which we should be addressing to try and get it behind us, especially in the the area of the Treaty of Waitangi and uh, what it means and what it doesn't mean. And I also think that um, national... um, We'll just coast along. So I think a bit of pressure needs to be put on them. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll it'll largely fall in line with uh, in line with how how the vote was done on election day. It's a large number here that we're dealing with twenty point two percent or thereabouts of the vote. Uh, there may be a slight uh, increase in the anti-government vote. I don't. I, I'm pretty certain National's going to lose one, possibly two seats. Uh, just because of the way the maths works. Uh, if they lose one, ACT will gain one, so the so the size of the pie is about the same. Uh, if they lose two, then you know they, they definitely can't form a majority government. They're going to need New Zealand first, and that's the way I think it's going to it's going to fall. I mean, uh, National only needs to have a point. I think about point two of a percent change, and they lose one seat. Uh, New Zealand First needs a 0.3% increase and they get a seat up to nine. So 
you know, there's there's some mathematical calculations, but the margins for national and uh, New Zealand first are, are are pretty thin there for an increase or decrease. I don't think we'll see New Zealand first drop a seat. I could be wrong. I mean, who knows? It's it's real. You know, as I always say, harder to pick than a broken nose. <laughs> I think also that there was such a large percentage of people who said the country's going in the wrong direction. Mm. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of those votes, so special votes, turn up that will benefit Labor. Um, they may benefit um, Green, but I think they, I think they'll, they'll benefit National Act and New Zealand First a bit more than you would normally have done because of so many people who are unhappy with the way the country was going. And the point you made, Lee, that uh, there's a perception that um, National Party's not, they're not a great change agent. If they don't have to be, no, no great record. They never are. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they are the ultimate party of the status quo. Yes. Right? So if you're voting for change, don't vote for national, you know, because they won't change anything. What they, 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 their pitch to voters is, we'll be a better manager of what Labor did. Yes, yes. You only have uh, to have a look at. Uh, the three waters now, 10, 10 waters or 10 entities. Oh, we saw uh, Chris Chris Bishop come out just last week saying, oh, we're not going to change it. Right? Yeah. Why, why running... would he have said that? Why well, would that, he have said that? Well, it's just politics, right? So what he's doing is he's floating something. Yeah, but who's he communicating with? What he's doing is he's gauging what this is what they do, right? When, they, people, when politicians say something, they don't say it for no reason, right? So what they've got is they've sent Chris Bishop out, float this, Let's see if we get any pushback on it. If they don't get any pushback on it, they won't make any changes, right? It, it, they're that shameless. They will, they will focus group everything, right? They will have focus group that, oh, you, you would have seen in the news, Chris Bishop said this, what do you think about that, right? Most people, they ran billboard campaigns up and down the country saying that they were going to repeal Three Waters. And now they're signaling a senior MP, like number three or four on the list, senior MP floating that we're not going to change it. And that's the National Party all day long. I know I know these guys intimately, right? I used to be in there, so I know it. <laughs> I know it, and they haven't changed because they never changed. That They manage their party with the status quo as well. How do you think Luxon's going to do then? Let's say it's a, it's a three-party deal. Is he the sort of person, I mean, I know nothing about yeah, apart from what I've seen in the news and, you know, the corporate history and all of that, um, th this would be unlike any other role he's had, surely. Do you think he's capable of, of in a very smart way, running this? Yes. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it, he's always been the boss. And politics doesn't work that way. There's very few p business people, successful business people, who have made the transition to politics. Because when you're um, very successful at a high level and, and a CEO, you say something and things happen. In politics, it doesn't work like that, right? You've got, and especially if you've got a coalition. So he's got to manage those expectations. Do you really think that Christopher Luxon can outfox Winston Peters? Because I don't. And also, he's got um, David Seymour there too, who's quite uh, adamant on what he thinks are. Uh, issues that he wants uh, put forward to the electorate. So I agree with you, Cam. I think that uh, he will struggle to act like a manager with all these people. He'll have to just, uh, 
you know, swallow a few dead rats, hopefully, and uh, make some changes that he's probably reluctant to do. Well, he's going to be forced to do that by the votes, and um, that's why we have a democracy. That's why, you know, before the election when National was, again, it was Chris Bishop floating it, we may need another election. That was just dirty politics from from the National Party trying to scare people into voting for them. Didn't work. You know, we've had the worst government in 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 living memory, and, you know, Michael Bassett, who's 85 years old, told me that, so I believe him, being a political historian. This is the worst government we've ever had in this entire history of this country, and National couldn't get over 40%. Says it all that's a very, right there. That's a very good point, isn't it? That's a very and good I point. also think, too, that if National don't watch it, they, they could well become subservient to ACT Party Act Party could well become the domineering uh, conservative right of centre party over time because they'll just nibble away at those um, those votes where National are not delivering, not making change, and that sort of thing. So, and and what and how they'll do it too is they'll they'll create little crises, right? All of a sudden, you'll see News Hub and Jenna Lynch running a story about this National Minister who's done this and da 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 da. da being white-anted, and it'll be white-anted by the people in the ACT Party because David Seymour's chief of staff, Andrew Keetles, is in a relationship with Jenna Lynch. Okay. I wonder what they talk about after hours. Yeah, okay. Um, is there a generational um, issue too for the – well, generational issues for all parties, but uh, for the National Party, the impression is that the, uh, the sort of tend to be older, more conservative, quite – you know, stayed um, support, and at some point, um, you know, the conveyor belt moves on. Um, does the demography of of that have some sort of effect at some point? Because speaking to your point, Lee, about act nibbling away, I, I think that's um, that's going to happen. Uh, I'm not sure where it's going to end up. I think there's going to be a real reality check for young people going over the next couple of years. I mean, things are not going to get better in New Zealand for a little while, especially with interest rates. They're now saying it'll probably be 2025 before there's a rate reduction. That's going to impact on a lot of people in the economy. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where their um, allegiances end up there because I, I just get a sense from being in business that there's a, there's a recession coming. There's a lot of people who are not busy at the moment, and those are people in the... Uh, retail area and in the industrial area, uh, so I think there's there's just been a clampdown on on discretionary spending. I think there was a huge um, outpouring of discretionary spending, which was pent up demand from COVID. People disappeared overseas, took lots of holidays, that sort of thing. But I can see that that's tailing off now, and I just know uh, without throughout rural New Zealand, things are pretty tight out there. And uh, I just think that it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. So no room for tax cuts? Uh, I don't think the GST take is going to be um, fantastic for the government going forward. Uh, and company um, performance is going to be flat, I would say, going forward. The it'll, A lot will depend on commodities. Uh, at the moment, uh, forestry is in a real dip. And really? Yeah, very bad. Log prices um, overseas are, are tanked. And so that's a pretty tough sector to be in. And uh, the dairy 
price um, is starting to recover and come up. So if that gets going again and uh, demand um, increases, uh, that'll make a big difference in the rural economy. And people seem to re- forget how big that is in terms of uh, yeah. spend. Uh, yeah, so- look, I agree with Lee on that. Um, the economy is uh, just treading water, really. Um, you know, I've got mates in the car industry, and uh, they're not selling any cars. And any, uh, any none. Like I, I was out at a dealership uh, last week. Said, "How's it going, mate?" Said, "I haven't sold anything this month." You know, and that was October. Wow. Okay. Right. So you see, everyone was waiting for the election, and uh, they're waiting to see how how it all goes out. But I, another mate of mine, uh, he's involved in car financing. And he said the majority of people whose leases were coming up this year, uh, you know, three-year leases, they've rolled them over for another two, and they're making the cars last five years instead of three. Yeah. And he said uh, you're seeing that a lot, and uh, and that's seriously affecting. So you're going to start seeing a whole lot of things go- start going wrong. And what about World War Three? <laughs> well, Is you that- know, I mean, you think that might have an effect. <laughs> Who knows? But but you know the the funny thing is though you, you you see in the Herald they have this article oh you know the 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 drop in house prices is over yeah I saw you know, that right well I don't know what, where they're getting that from because you know talking to I was having lunch last week with a guy who runs a a boutique finance house and he said he couldn't believe that article um, in his experience he says they're still going down and, and he's been tracking some property prices around the country where there's been drops of 30 percent yeah you know in values and uh Westpac have come out and said that they expect prices to rise by eight percent in the next two years yeah I'm not sure about where, that. what what are they taking do you think uh hopium because <laughs> that doesn't square with kind of what you feel is happening and, and Lee what you just said you know um well, I think also there's there's still people uh, on fixed rate mortgages which have got to come off, and uh, they're going to be walking into two or three, four, maybe five percent increase in the in the rate. So that's got to drift through the market yet as well. And there's a, quite a few people who have put their uh, mortgages onto interest only and not paying capital. So, and you're starting now to see the first starting part of unemployment has just risen just slightly. And I think point three of a percent, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll see a bit more of that going on. Um, traditionally, up to Christmas, uh, people hope to be busy, but I think it's going to be pretty, pretty, a bit more darker after, after Christmas, so January, February, going on without and into next winter. Yep. Fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's the economy this, we're in. This yeah. is our and Hipkins legacy. You know, but it didn't need the, to be that way, right? It didn't need to be that way. No, we could have just shut the border and said, you know, go away and carried on um, having the economy just run normally. And we should have done that anyway. I mean, it's just ridiculous, the, the lockdowns, the damage that that's done to the economy uh, and then the eye-watering sums of borrowing, you know, I mean, they're – Lee, you'd agree with me on this. You're involved in business. There's good borrowing and bad borrowing, right? If you're borrowing for capital investment and increasing productivity and all of those sorts of things, that's good borrowing, right? If you're just borrowing to to um, you know cover the keeping the power on, that's bad borrowing because it's just going to go broke. And this is what this government did. They put they, they you know put hundreds of billions of dollars of debt on on this country. 
and then threw it all around the country in frivolous spending, uh, you know, subsidizing every man and his dog. Um, and then they sit there and go, oh, it's, it's Ukraine's fault that we've got inflation. No, it's not, you dolts. Right? It's because you flooded the market with heaps and heaps of cash. That's going to take a generation to pay off if we even manage to do that. Well, that's and then, the thing. But then we've got like a national party that wants to retain all of, all of the spending that's increased and baked in. Not re- They're never prepared to uh, actually sit down and go, well, is this necessary? Do we really have to have these things? And so all of that spending increases that Labour brought in is baked in. And now they're sitting there saying, oh, we're going to you know, have tax cuts or I'm going to um, quit. Well, Nicola Willis is going to um, rue the day she ever made that promise. Surely in these situations, again, what do I know? But um, a short, sharp, limited period of extreme austerity, but not to the point where people are pushed off the cliff is is maybe something that has to be entertained. I remember Winston saying he wanted an emergency budget mm. as soon as they hit the ground running, if it's going to be that way. Well, I think they're going to have to do that. Well, the government's just got to stop borrowing money and that, that's got to have a look at uh, where the money is being spent at the moment. And there's a lot of money spent and there's no um, no KPIs on what it's going to deliver. They just spend it. And that's the sad thing. You have a look at the mental health thing. They spent, what, a billion dollars on that. We're no better off on that. Where did it go? Mm. Nobody's got any idea. And the people who can do the job don't get it. Yeah. I've got a um, a niece who's a doctor, I mean, in the health in Auckland. And she said, you know, we've got a hell of a lot more bureaucrats. We ain't got any more frontline staff. Yeah. So these are the sort of things. Well, they they got exemptions, mate. The frontline (laughs) staff didn't. I've got to have a hard look at that. And again, that's a, it's an area where you would think we've only 4 million or 5 million people in New Zealand. I mean, it's, it's a bloody small place. Shouldn't be that hard, should it? No. You'd think they'd be able to uh, put some technology in there in terms of um, digitization and that sort of thing and, uh, and delivering better productivity. Uh, you don't need a whole lot more people to do it, for, for goodness sake. Yeah, so there's some hard decisions got to be made there because we just can't keep borrowing money the way we're doing it. And any final? So, sorry, any any final thoughts before because we're running up on time? Any final thoughts? Any issues that we've missed that we want to quickly mention before we're we're done for well, this since week? Since we're talking about local body stuff, um, you know, what's going on in Wellington Council with this eye-watering sums of money they keep, you know, pouring into a clapped-out old building? when they could have bowled the whole thing and built a new one that looked exactly the same for a fraction of the cost shows you yeah. the, the ridiculousness of these morons that keep getting elected and keep spending and pouring good money after bad. And uh, again, it comes down to that general competence level, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of level of transparency. There's, it doesn't seem to be any sort of fiscal rectitude uh, going on in any of these places. And- well, well, it's interesting because going back to what you were saying, Lee, how you were treated when you were um, uh, making those submissions. I've talked to people who have been pushing back against the let's get Wellington moving. They have been treated really badly, you know, yeah. like in a very hostile, very dismissive, nasty way. You know, that's what you get when you try and have your say. Yes, but I think you've, you've got to continue to stand up and uh, put your point forward and uh um, I just hope people continue to do it and take some um, courage 
take some courage to it. And we should be really writing to these people who do stand up and say, well done you. And there's a few yeah. councils that we've written to over the time to say, good on you, stand your ground, we're with you. Uh, but they'll probably get few and far between um, in terms of people writing to them and, and, and encouraging them. That's that's a good point. All right. Well, I think that's our political panel for this week. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think we'll um, reconvene something for early next week to talk about how things uh, shake out. So you reckon we'll know Saturday, sometime Saturday, Cam? No, we'll, we'll know uh, t- um, this afternoon. We'll, oh, okay, we'll, this afternoon? Yeah, we'll know this afternoon. About about 2 o'clock we'll know what the final numbers are and um, – and then from there, we'll see how long it takes uh, those three parties to put together a, a coalition. To how long do you think it'll take? Look, I don't think it's going to take as long as it has in the past. They've already talked, surely. Yeah, they have. They've, you know, Luxon has spoken with Winston Peters. Um, yeah. And uh, I know he talks regularly with Seymour. So what it'll be is what it finally looks like, and then uh, you look at what New Zealand First wants to gain. I think that they'll they maybe look at things like broadcasting, uh, energy, uh, and some of the things you know like um, commerce or the Commerce Commission. And you know, I think there's a, a real um, a wish in New Zealand first to go and bash up banks, supermarkets, and fuel companies. Okay, <laughs> and and they would be a useful tool to further the sensitive areas of of race based. Absolutely, because you know the first three people in their in their party are Maori. So Winston mm. Peters, Casey Costello, and Shane Jones can all uh, sit there and um, and and go to town on the iwi elite, and um, and they'll get a whole lot of people cheering them on. And National can sit back and do nothing, which is what they like to do, and let New Zealand First take the heat for that. And that would if be Luxon a smart. If Luxon was smart, thing. that's what he'd do, right? If Luxon yeah. was smart, that's what he'd do. Yeah. Lee, any final words? No, thank you very much, Paul and Cam. I agree with you, Cam. Um, hopefully there's going to be some change. Yeah, well, right. we need it. We need change because we can't keep doing what we're doing in New Zealand. Well, it's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. End, in the end. Yeah. All right. Um, have a great weekend, guys, and uh, I'm sure some of us will talk again early next week uh, given what we're expecting to find out this afternoon and over the weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Okay. See you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.